Hey everyone, we're back to another episode of the Road to Revenue series. Today's episode is all about passion, purpose, and profitability. And we're gonna talk about how that's relative to the possibilities, probabilities, and perspective through inspiration. Tweet me at David Meltzer, your favorite takeaways from today's episode, and check the show notes to see how you can text me or email me at any time. This is Entrepreneurs The Playbook. Hey, good afternoon, everyone. Good morning, good night. From around the world, we are here. Friday Training's been doing these for over 20 years uh, with over 50,000 people now registered. In all platforms, we'll be answering questions on Clubhouse, IG, and on the webinar. You can always reach out to me, david at dmelter.com. Uh, email me anytime if you want my book, ebook, audiobook, sign a book, send it to you. I pay for everything, don't worry. You're there, David at dmelter.com. Welcome everyone to Passion, Purpose, and Profitability Training, one of my favorite trainings that I do. And one of the most common questions that I get from people is, I want to do something I love. I hate what I do. I feel lost. I feel empty. Please help me. I want to have passion and purpose and be profitable, but I can't afford to do it. Yes, you can. You can be happy, healthy, wealthy, and worthy because you already are. Let's figure out together in passion, purpose, and profitability what you're doing to interfere with what you already have. Now, let's talk about passion. Passion is the pursuit and the feeling of loving uh, to do what we do. And the problem is people just like happiness and health and worthiness, they're out there trying to get to the passion. They're trying to find worthiness and passion and purpose. You're trying to find it. You don't have to. You can learn to see it in everything because there is love, light, and lessons. There is purpose and passion in everything. What we want to do is learn how to find it in the things so it's already there. You don't have to go get it. It's already there. And the problem is most people don't take the perspective of being more interested than interesting. They immediately go by their natural quantum nature of I like that or I don't like that. Instead of taking the time to learn to love it, learn to like it, they immediately go by their quantum nature of, ugh, ugh, yeah. Well, that's not sustainable. When you can learn to love something, it's sustainable. And, you know, for me, it's interesting because uh, like many of you, my wife, uh, who I adore, she attaches emotions to different activities, uh, meaning that uh, for me, if I don't take the trash out, she somehow equates that to me not respecting her or loving her. But the problem is I hate taking the trash out. I just have to tell you, I grew up with six kids and for whatever reason, I was always the one that had to take out the trash. I could not naturally, quantumly, I disrespected the trash, not my wife, obviously, but I don't like taking the trash out and it would aggravate me. It would feel as if it demeaned me to take out the trash. So I would spill the trash, uh, you know, trying to throw it away too quickly or I, if there was liquid in there, it'd spill on me. If there's glass in there, it would cut me. And so uh, I really hated the trash. And then I moved on to college and I thought, oh yeah, no more trash, thank goodness. But unfortunately, I was the littlest football player at my school in my fraternity. So they made me take the trash out. And if you think six people, six kids is nasty trash, try a hundred football players. Uh, and so my hate and loathing for trash 
kept building and building and building. And then I get married and I figure, oh, well, I don't have to take it out anymore. I'm here in the activity. I get paid for all the time. My wife can do it for me. But no, worse than that, not only did my wife expect me to take out the trash, I ended up with three daughters in a row, all who trashes kryptonite. Uh, it might as well be kryptonite. And so there I was, and I shifted my paradigm and said, you know what? There's light, love, and love, and lessons, and everything. How can I learn to love this? Because I decided that in the activity I get paid for, in the activity I don't get paid for, and even in my sleep, I wasn't going to do it unless I could learn to love it. And if I could not learn to love it, I was either going to uh, give it off or delegate it to someone or pay someone to do it or not do it at all. And so I studied the trash. I paid attention and gave intention to the trash. And I decided, wow, the trash isn't that bad. I found the light and the lesson in the trash. It was an escape. I could use the trash as an escape. So I looked to say, what do I want to achieve in my day? Well, I want a minimum amount of time in the day that I can think about, take inventory in what I want personally, experientially, giving wise and receiving wise, taking inventory of what I wanted. And I used the trash as a vehicle to give me that time and space to take inventory of my values. So not only in my own home was I taking inventory of my values by taking out the trash, but in other people's home. And all of a sudden, you know, everyone thought I appreciated them, that I add value to them. And it had an emotional tie. Oh, my husband and my kids never take it out. This is a really good person. All because I found the light, the love, and the lessons. I found the passion and the purpose in the trash by making it something, by learning to love it, by making it an opportunity to think about what I wanted personally, experientially, giving and receiving. The one thing I didn't anticipate, though, is the energy of that passion. So because I gave it purpose, I gave it a lesson, it now had a meaning that I wanted, I learned to love it. That is the energy that it took on. And the interesting thing was my neighbor's friends were like, oh my God, your husband's amazing. Now, I thought I was amazing before I took out the trash, but it was the first time they acknowledged, acquired the knowledge that I was amazing, all because I had shifted my perspective of the trash and offered to take that out. And the truth was I was using it as a vehicle of escaping their party by finding time outside of having to be on and answer questions and whatever other rhetoric that we have at those different parties or situations. I now could just focus in on what I wanted. But the interesting thing was even at my home, my trash was kryptonite to my daughters. All of a sudden they were offering me can I take that out for you? Because my energy had changed in taking out the trash. So lesson number one is that passion is absolutely something that we can learn. We can learn to love anything. Now, if you're trying to determine whether it's worth the time to do that, then you just need to utilize the great chain of feeding right? So if it's something that really feeds you, so for example, it's something that fed me taking out the trash because it meant so much to my wife, obviously my neighbor's wives and my own children because it represented something to them. So I prioritized it that yes, my wife feeds me, so I'm going to feed her what she wants by taking out and doing what she wants me to do. But 
if it's not equated in the great chain of feeding, feeding the things that feed you, allowing the things that don't feed you to fall away and firing things or don't doing or spending time on the things that bleed you. If taking out the trash was something that bleed me, I would have fired it from my life, delegated it, gave it away or didn't do it. So that's how it's all integrated together of figuring out how am I going to learn to love what I do and is it worth the time to learn what I do or should I delegate or not do it according to the great chain of feeding. The passion part of learning to love what we do, you know, purpose is found in love. Our thoughts about purpose are our purpose. And if we love what we're doing, we feel it's purposeful because those are the thoughts, the highest frequency, love, the truth of what we're doing. And so we want to make sure that we have that purpose. But how do we find passion in it? How do you find passion in taking out the trash? Well, passion is a mindset. It's a mindset of I get to do, not I got to do. It's a mindset of I get to do so many times we feel like we have to do something that there's no passion in it. Uh, I'll give you a quick example. I was traveling on the road speaking around the world for 22 straight days and I had to go with just my PR team, not my family. And I would call every day and tell my wife how much I missed her and the kids and I could not wait to get home and spend time with them. And every day the pain grew bigger and bigger, something that was missing. And I was trying to find the passion in the trip. But all I could think about is how much I wanted to spend time with my family. When I got home after a 22 trip around the world, I got home. And the first thing my wife said after I gave her a big hug and kiss was, can you pick up Marlena? At that time, she was 13. And I looked at her and I said, I have to go pick up Marlena? I don't want to pick her. What do you mean? I'd been traveling. I just, I want to be. She said, whoa, 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 whoa. You have to pick her up? All you've been telling me over the last three weeks is how much you miss me and the kids and all you could dream about is spending time with us. And I'm giving you an opportunity to spend time with your 13 year old daughter, a half an hour of time individually with her. And you have to do that. Passion is a mindset. I get to do that. And sometimes we need other people and sometimes we need to do it ourselves. But in finding the light, the love and the lessons, we need to have a mindset of I get to do. We have to have a mindset of try me, not why me, not I have to do. And when we find that light, that love, that lesson, those abundant thoughts that allow us to have a mindset, not only our thoughts against the purpose of the purpose, but also the passion to do it, the desire that I must be what I can be, the desire to do it because I get to do it. This is an opportunity, a blessing to do it, even though in other people's eyes and perspectives, it may look as punishment, but it's not. It's a propellant, not a punishment. It is propelling us to a better place, a better position to make us understand that everything we do that is passionate and purposeful will find its equal brother-in-law of profitable because abundance attracts abundance and passion and purpose are the key catalysts to being abundant of understanding and clearing as tools the interference between you and more than enough more than enough of everything for everyone now why is it though that we have to learn to love what we do well the reason is, is that some things take very little effort to learn to do it because we have inherited from four generations, this quantum being, this genetic being with characteristics and personality traits, with tastes and likes and dislikes and addictions, all of these different things that are quantum or inherent in our nature. 
And what happens is, is that we get lazy because what we want to do is just find and utilize our activities for things that we naturally within our quantum being through our personality traits, characteristics, obsessions, and addictions and habits love to do. The best analogy I have for that is a food example. You know, you can walk by at a fair you know, I love the Jazz Fest in New Orleans. If anyone ever knew Jazz Fest, they have the best food fair there. Crawfish, bread, fried chicken, all the things that'll stop your heart from beating. But it's so good. And anyway, it's so interesting because I usually go to Jazz Fest in New Orleans with all my friends. And I'll walk by, you know, for example, the crawfish bread stand. And half of us are like, oh, my God, that's, that's so delicious. And the other half are like, ugh, can't stand that. Or I wouldn't want it. They've never even tried it and they can't stand it. This is an example of why people feel as if they have to do what they love. This is an example of why people feel like they have to do something at all. This is an example of why people live in the world of why me, not try me. Because they are not conditioned to learn to love or find the love and light in everything because it exists. So when you look at crawfish bread, whether you love it initially or hate it initially, by its own energy, appearance, or frequency, that doesn't mean it doesn't have love inside of it because other people naturally do because it's running at the same frequency. You're tuning in in that quantum nature to the personality traits, to the characteristics, obsessions, and addictions that you were born with or inherited. And where you can add this value, especially in entrepreneurship, is when you realize that just because I don't feel it, that don't mean you don't reel it, meaning you can't reel it in, you can't make it real, you can't change that illusion of dislike to like by trying to find the light, the love, and the lessons determinative upon, is it worth in prioritizing in the value uh, chain of importance, which is I use the value chain of the chain of feeding. The more it's going to feed me, the more it is. So if it's worth it to me, because of some sort of quantitative or subjective value, then I'm going to prioritize learning to love it. And when we seek the light, the love, and the lessons, that's what we're going to find. So you can learn to love everything. My wife always says, oh, you're so lucky. You've always learned to love what you do. No. I, 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 I haven't, she's sorry. She said, you always love what you do. I know I've learned to love it. Because from a very early age, I remember sitting my third, second year in law school in a recession, $100,000 in debt. My father telling me to quit law school and go sell. I had been offered a job selling golf clubs in Japan for more than most lawyers make. And I was sitting there on the edge of the bed saying, if I just can make enough money to buy my mom a house and a car, if I can pay off these law loans, I'll shovel poo for 12 hours a day, six days a week happily. I'll learn to love that. Why? Because I have found the light, the love, and the lessons that that activity of mine is just a catalyst to do and to create a dream of mine, which was to provide happiness to my mother who had sacrificed and invested so much in me and my siblings by working two jobs and not having enough. You can do the same thing. Learn to love what you do, even foods that you don't love, learn to love them, get into the practice, the discipline of aligning your quantum nature and pursuing your potential. Take inventory of not only what, but who and why, right? I have the five daily practices, uh, you know, once again, too, just so everyone knows, please put in the Q&A section, whatever questions you have. We will be spending the second half of training answering particular questions 
for what you want to know. Uh, but more importantly, um, I, yeah, don't forget to submit questions. Thanks. Uh, so um, knowing these five daily practices, your what, right? The who can help me and who can I help? The how can I get it done? Executing on the mathematical equation of luck. What should I pay attention to? What should I give intention to, to the coincidences I want to happen so that people think I'm lucky? Use a kaleidoscope of gratitude when you're seeking the passion and purpose and things to seek the profitability, to get to the quantum value, to exceed what you're asking for. Understand that that how occurs through that lens of gratitude, the ability to seek the light, the love, and the lessons, to learn to love things. And that will provide you this lens of productivity of how much value you can provide to others and how much accessibility you have to others and how are you accessing what you want. You can use the mathematical equation of luck. Anybody wants those five daily practices along with my book, david at dmeltzer.com. Email me directly, more than happy to pay for it all. Ebook, audiobook. Of course, signing a book, sending it to you and paying for shipping is not a problem. Same with the daily practices. Now, how do we find this materialization of the passion and purpose, right? We know now that beyond our quantum nature that we can learn to love anything. We just have to prioritize it with how and what our values are and who can help us. But more importantly, you know, how do we materialize it? How does the money part come in? Well. It's through our imagination that we make something a possibility. So when we're in the process of learning to find this light, love and lessons to be purposeful, we need to put our thoughts on our purpose because if you put your thoughts on your purpose, those thoughts, your imagination, the ethereal materialization of an imagination, right? The creativity, commanding, working with the universe. When we put our thoughts on our purpose, which become our purpose, that imagination takes us from nothingness or even negativity into a possibility, a mathematical advantage over nothing. So imagination is a catalyst as well as the thought of purpose to create our purpose is the first key component of purpose, passion, and profitability. So now that we know our purpose through imagining purpose, thoughts of purpose becoming a possibility. Now we need to apply our passion. We're seeking through gratitude, productivity, and accessibility. We are seeking the inspiration. And when we become inspired in spirit, connected to and through, not a world of not enough where we're a victim, right? Not that world of why me, not that world of scarcity of, you know, that world of just enough for me, buying things you don't need to impress people you don't like, but transforming a possibility, the mathematical equation of nothingness to somethingness into inspiration in spirit to a world of more than enough of everything for everyone where you have faith that even though you have setbacks, pains, mistakes, failures, et cetera, that it's going to propel you those mistakes that pain is going to propel you, not punishment, but propel you to something better. That's called inspiration. That's called faith. And when you have inspiration in your possibility, your thoughts about your purpose, you will be passionate and have a probability, another mathematical advancement over a possibility. So you can go from nothingness to possibility and then with inspiration go to probability, taking purpose and thoughts of purpose to passion and inspiration. Now, where's the hard part? 
I'm inspirational. I do anything. I must be what I can be. And here I am. I got no money. How do we monetize it? How do we materialize our probabilities? First, you have to realize that there's only one thing in the way of you having your probabilities because they already exist in the world of more than enough. And it's you. You need to get out of your own way. You need to clear the interference between you and what you already are as an inspired or in-spirit individual connected to and through everything. You need to clear the interference, the triggers of the ego and the ego itself by only spending minutes and moments in the ego-based consciousness. You need to clear that interference. You need to practice this in order to effectuate the monetization or the profitability of what you have imagined through the thoughts about your purpose, purpose, through inspiration, passion, through discipline, strategy, awareness, profit. That's right. The only thing that stands in your way is you and you have to use your free will in order to effectuate through discipline practice through strategy, asking for help, people who already have what you want can give you directions to it. And of course, awareness, elevating your pursuit and enjoyment of that pursuit in a consistent every day, persistent without quit way to pursue your truth, your materialization and profitable. The purpose comes from the thoughts of purpose and imagination. The passion comes from the inspiration, but the profitability comes from the discipline, strategy, and awareness in order to effectuate clearing away the interference between you and what you already are, which is happy, healthy, wealthy, and worthy. Possibilities, the probability, probability, perspective, purpose, passion, and profitability. That's how it happens. You need to utilize those three things in order to effectuate what you want. And most importantly, the five daily practices will help you get there because you imagine your what, you become inspired by who you can help with it. You then use the discipline to practice it and the strategy of asking who can help you and you prioritize it by importance of learning to love what you do with the great chain of feeding and bleeding to determine the best use of the activities of the 24 hours of pragmatic time that you're given every day. Activity you get paid for, activity you don't get paid for, and your sleep. We are constantly expanding and accelerating to live in a learning zone where all we need to do is figure out two things. One, how can I get 1% better? And how fast can I get 1% better at what I want to learn to love to do? That's the mathematical question that's going to get you to where you want to be. It's the compound interest effect that Einstein taught with the rule of 72. Right. If you can get 1% better, it will take you 72 segments of getting 1% better to double how good you are exponentially. So if you want to get 1% better at being purposeful or passionate or more importantly, profitable, then you only have to worry about two things. How can I get 1% better at doing it? And how can I get faster at doing it? So that segment doesn't take as long. It might take me one year to get 1% uh, better than a 11 months, then 10 months, then nine months, et cetera, exponentially accelerating and expanding and compounding your success through the aspect of your efficiency, effectiveness, and statistical success. And the way that we do that is to utilize three laws of purpose, passion, and profitability. One, be happy where you're at. 
You're at the right place at the perfect time. Apply the law of gravity. I got two feet on the ground here. I am everything I want to be. I'm at the right place at the perfect time. Now institute the law of Goya. Get off your ass, G-O-Y-A, and make it happen. Angle to what you want. Use pain as a propeller not a punishment and allow it to push you towards something better, a better situation or make your situation better by learning lessons. Pain itself is just an indicator, right? We have 12, you know, I study these, there's 12, I mentioned uh, this earlier today in clubhouse, 12 rules of being human. And it's aligned with the thoughts about purpose and the inspirational passion that you need. And of course the, Discipline, strategy, and awareness in order to effectuate that uh, probability to your perspective or your reality or basically your profitability. And here's the 12 rules that are aligned with the laws of gravity, the laws of Goya, which institute the law of attraction, knowing the quantum being that you are, learning to love what you do and making it happen. The 12 rules, which I'll be happy to send you because I know everybody's taking notes and I talk fast and you're writing it down. And if you're not taking notes, then let me send the notes to you or watch this again because it's replayed everywhere on the playbook. Just download it. Listen to all the different trainings I've done for years and years and years. We have over 800 episodes there for you uh, with the greatest billionaires, millionaires, entrepreneurs, celebrities, athletes, entertainers, and the lessons I teach. Here's the 12 rules for you. And they're not new. These rules are taken directly from Sanskrit. S-A-N-S-K-R-I-T. The 12 rules handed down before they even had English, before they had writing, talking about scribble. But here they are real quick. Rule number one, you will receive a body. Rule two, you will learn lessons. Rule three, there are no mistakes. Only lessons that will propel you to a better place, a better situation, or make your situation better. A lesson, number four, will be repeated until it's learned. You wonder why you keep on having the same thing showed up in your life? Because you haven't figured out the problem or the lesson. Number five, learning lessons doesn't end. Number six, quote unquote, there is no better than quote unquote here. Number seven, others are merely mirrors of you. Number eight, rule number eight, what you make of your life is up to you. The purpose of your life, the passion of your life, the profitability of your life is up to you. Number nine, Life is exactly what you think it is. You give meaning to everything that you see. Number 10, your answers, all the answers of these lessons are already inside of you. You have access to them. They're right inside of you. That's why inspiration is so important. Understanding what you're connected to and through, appreciating it, adding value to it and giving it away. Number 11, my lucky number, you will forget all of this. That's why I'm in a big campaign, not only to empower over a billion people, but to have people take notes, to be radically humble and realize I don't know what I don't know and I'm gonna forget every single thing that I learned. But I have number 12. You can remember it whenever you want. Not only can you remember, recollect, remind, but you can access anything, even lessons you haven't learned before at any time that you want. You need to utilize these rules in order to effectuate what it is. Use these rules. And the way that we do is to be more interested than interesting, 
know your values, your daily practices, the rules of being human, all which I make available to you, david at dmelter.com. Practice, 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 practice the skills, practice the knowledge, enhance your desire, realize the law of gravity, Goya and attraction will allow you to take every possibility of purpose, make it a probability of passion and materialize it into your perspective of profitability. These are the secrets of learning to love what you do. Live in a world of try me, not why me. Live in an abundant world of more than enough of everything for everyone. Live passionately, purposefully, and profitably. All right, it's time for Q&A, my favorite. We are going to take a few questions at IG on the webinar and on Clubhouse. I'm going to take one online right now. And uh, Jakey Bakey is going to let me know who the first person is says, what are the 12 rules of Sanskrit that you mentioned? Um, to make it easy, those 12 rules, email me, david at dmelzer.com. I will send you the 12 rules that have been handed down to us from the beginning of time that are more applicable today than ever before that I utilize and keep by my side to remind, remember, and recollect the oneness of the world of abundance of more than enough so that I can be purposeful, passionable, passionate, and profitable. Logan Grime, you're our first guest up. Do you have a question for me? I just want to say, David, you are such an inspiration and I love hearing you anytime I'm on Clubhouse. Thank you for doing everything that you do. My question is in regards to synchronicity and how you tune into that frequency and what do you, what do you make of synchronicity? I love that. So synchronicity uh, is like coincidence, right? It's uh, as if two angles perfectly co coincided with one another to form another angle. Uh, synchronicity is when the frequencies of our intention and attention are creating oneness of lack of interference. And so synchronicity is when you're in the flow and we only get there by number one, being aware of what causes the interference Two, when we become and identify those triggers, I call them triggers of the ego. We simply take a moment instead of resisting it, fighting it, going over it, under it, through it, overselling it, lying to it, cheating it, manipulating it just stop when we see and identify something creating interference between the synchronicity of us and everything else that exists and recognizing recollecting and reminding ourselves of that oneness when we identify that there is interference don't try to resist it it'll only create more voids obstacles and shortages that's why so many people look at what's missing what they don't have or what other people want for us and are surprised when they get that instead of thinking about what they do want and living in harmony and peace and within the context of gratitude forgiveness accountability and inspiration by clearing the interference and being in synchronicity with everything that they want and who and how and where they want it and by identifying it and not fighting it and simply stopping and then breathing to find their higher self to utilize their higher power of thinking in order to effectuate moving in the right direction of what the five daily practices when you have synchronicity it is you displaying that you have cleared the interference between your what, your who, your how, your now, and you're applying your why. You have created an allowance in your life. Allowance meaning you've allowed it to happen, but it is also a term of appreciation. That's why parents give children allowances. It's a form of appreciation, meaning that you have added value. 
And that's the key to synchronicity is to understand, to shift the paradigm. I don't have to create or fight anything. I can allow it to happen through the law of attraction and Goya and the law of gravity. Thank you so much for the compliments and the recognition, but more importantly, thank you for participating and giving me a question. I appreciate it. Um, all right. Thank you. thank you. All right. I'm going to take another question from the webinar and our next guest will be Nick Glazer. All right. Uh, next question online. Thoughts on using hallucinogens in order to deal with problems of the egos. Uh, look, anything that creates a mindset that you can duplicate, replicate, and utilize in moderation and utilize it in a place where it's legal, I'm all for right? There's different contracts and social contracts and, and values involved, but I am fine with practicing mindset. And if there's certain things that are legal in certain places and certain times that allow me to experience a different expansion of a mindset, a different perspective, so that I can utilize that as a baseline in which to expand and accelerate myself, I am all for it in moderation. Remember, water itself if you drink too much water, you actually can drown, you can die. Uh, so we wanna make sure whether, you know, we're using legal hallucinogens or water or protein or anything else that you may have that we understand how it integrates and is utilized in a positive manner for us. But yes, I am all for anything that expands and accelerates our mindset to create a new baseline, a higher baseline, a higher awareness or frequency so that we can make better decisions and abundant decisions to clear, once again, that interference that I talk about so often. All right, my man, Nick, how are you? Happy Friday, David. I appreciate um, the training as always. So many um, invaluable insights. And I have a quick question for you regarding leadership. Um, so especially a lot of leaders, um, one thing that, you know, is really can stand out is being a great listener. Um, so I wanted to see if you could kind of break down the different types of listeners and how being in a leadership role, um, kind of some of those tips on how you can be the most effective listener possible. I love that question because my definition of a leader is an intelligent follower and an intelligent person and an intelligent follower all have to listen. Uh, listening has different forms though. And, uh, you know, I don't, even when I speak, I know that it's not what I say, it's what people hear. Therefore, I try to see what people are listening for. I used to speak and want to know if people were listening to me, but instead I want to know what people are listening for as an intelligent follower, better known as a leader, so that I can inspire them. But there's three types of listeners that I look at. One is an interrupter. Uh, the first form of a listener as an interrupter is somebody who doesn't really care what I'm saying. They'll never hear what I'm saying. They'll never learn from what I'm saying. They're not seeking the light, the love, and the lessons in what I'm saying. They simply are just interrupting me to tell me what they think. No form of process, education, or learning, or expansion, or growth is going to occur with speaking to or with an interrupter. The second type of listener is uh, the most common and it's called a waiter. And I see this all the time when I'm speaking in large crowds. I see it all the time when I'm speaking to my kids. I see it all the time when I'm speaking to some of my employees and interns as well. A waiter is someone that's not listening to or for you, but they're simply just waiting to tell you what they think. And it is a great display of ego, of a need to be separate, inferior, and superior when somebody is a waiter. They don't hear you. 
because it's not what you say, because all they're focused in on and refocused in on is portraying what they want you to hear. And the waiter pretends as if they're listening, but all they're doing is waiting to speak. A true listener, someone who is an intelligent follower, someone who I define as a leader that has the capability of elevating others to elevate themselves through the process of listening, someone that can be impactful and aligned and synergistic with and to and through the five daily practices of the what, the who, the how, the now, and the why. An intelligent follower in this leader processes as a listener. They're more interested than interesting. They have understood that the only way to grow, learn, and accelerate what they're trying to do is to find someone in the situation they're in and truly listen. Truly listen. Not only hear the directions, but practice the directions in order to get there. Because the fastest way to get someone where and to is to find someone who you can listen through and to to get to where you want to be because they're already there and they're just giving you directions. But if I give you directions, just the same as today, as I'm giving you directions about passion, purpose, and profitability with passion, I'm sorry, with possibilities, probabilities, and perspective, with understanding the 12 rules of being human and the five daily practices and my books. If you are just sitting there wanting to interrupt me, or if you are sitting there just being a waiter and you're not repositing the information so that you can process it, access it, and utilize it, then we're all just wasting our time. Be a leader. Don't be an interrupter. Don't be a waiter. Process the information. Be more interested than interesting. Learn, grow, accelerate. Expand your knowledge and increase your awareness so see things become simple when you pay attention and give attention and create what you want with your life by clearing the interference of what you already are connected to and through. Thank you so much, Nick. I really appreciate that question. Uh, as we're rocking and rolling on here Friday, I'll take another question online. Our next guest is Jesus Mendez. Uh, let me go ahead and uh, take our next question. How to pitch my boss to give me a raise? Well, uh, there's number one, the best way to pitch your boss is to create value to exceed what you're being paid. And then to be able to articulate that value quantitatively to your boss. So if you, number one, are walking the walk and you are providing value to exceed what you're being paid and you can articulate that value exponentially and ask your boss, can you see any reason why you won't want to pay me more? And explain to him the credibility in which you come from, the emotional attachment that he has to you by liking you so much for all the subjective things that you do. But most importantly, being able to articulate a quantitative value are, here are the reasons I deserve a raise. Here's the impact quantitatively I'm having on the business. And here's the capabilities that I'm utilizing today and can utilize in the future in order to effectuate even more value. And if you're capable of articulating that quantitative value to exceed what you're asking for and provide that value moreover with the credibility and emotional attachment, you will have no problem not only asking or pitching, but most importantly, your boss will recognize and acknowledge the value that you've already provided. You have assisted him in clearing any type of misinterpretation by the articulation of that value. And as a boss, 
you may find that your perspective is not that which he held, either because you have over-exaggerated, lied, manipulated, or cheated, or he had not recognized or acknowledged the value in the right context. A lot of times, there won't be alignment or understanding in that value, so it takes a lot of practice in order to articulate that quantitative value to get to a point where you feel confident and comfortable of asking that powerful closing question, can you see any reason you wouldn't wanna give me a raise? And if you've done it correctly, there will be no reasons, no impact in the capabilities that you have supplementary synergistically and aligned with what you're being paid for will exceedingly provide value over what you're asking for. Thank you so much. Woo! All righty. Next up is my savior, Jesus. Hey, Dave. How's it going? Hope your Friday's going well. Um, so my question is, how can we establish credibility effectively during a pitch, whether that be to an investor, whether that be to a team, whatever the case may be? So credibility is the most, thank you, Jesus. Credibility is the most overlooked thing uh, when we are pitching anything. Uh, when we are participating in any type of interaction uh, in the course of personal or professional lives. The reason credibility is overlooked is that it's actually the most valuable thing you have. The closer to the truth that you live, that you walk the walk, don't lie to yourself as often as others, the closer that you do that, the more credible you'll be. So I try my best to spend minutes and moments outside of the truth. I go through and practice in context with the truth, what I'm saying, doing, and believing in order to effectuate the most credibility I have. Because I know one thing about credibility, that if I can attain 100% credibility in any situation, if I can create and maintain 100% credibility in any situation, I will receive no resistance. So if I was 100% credible today with the thousands of people that are participating on Clubhouse and IG and Facebook and the webinar, if I could do that, I could ask all of you, please wire me a million dollars and I'll wire you back two million in a week and everybody would find the money. Everybody would if I was 100% credible. Now, I'm pursuing that potential and I don't think I've ever ascertained 100% credibility, but I am pursuing it by pursuing my truth with consistent, persistent behavior and enjoying that behavior. But I will tell you that I'm trying to pursue it and that credibility by simply being as credible as possible by spending as least amount of time in the ego-based consciousness of being separate of at any time, whether it's good intention or bad, lying, cheating, manipulating, overselling, back end selling, all the different things that worrying that we do to separate or create interference between our credibility and others. Credibility is the most important thing and credibility is a discipline, it's a habit, it needs to be practiced. We need to catch ourselves and surround ourselves with people that are not telling us yes, don't take yes for an answer, Find people that will call you on your BS and tell you that is not true. Or don't say it that way because you are losing the most valuable thing you have, which is your integrity, your truth, your potential, your credibility. I would hope everyone will go home and think about the things that you're doing personally and professionally and how aligned it is with your truth and providing the frequency of credibility, authenticity, and 
allowing yourself to carry a stronger frequency to the specific spectrum of people that you want to attract to yourself. Liars attract liars. The truth attracts the truth. The truth vibrates the fastest. And it always comes out, whether it's in a personal or professional situation, it has to because of its frequency. What a great question from my savior, Jesus. All right, I'm going to take another question online. And next up will be Rachel Garcia. You'll be right up after this question. Here we go. What's the best and worst habit? My best and worst habit. My best habit is the habit machine. The habit machine that's created by the five daily practices that I teach and that I'll send to everyone with the book and the rules of being human if you want. David at dmeltzer.com. My best habit is the habit machine. The five daily practices that allow me to take anything that I want, who can help me, how am I gonna get it done, prioritize it by what am I gonna do now, knowing my now and how to apply my my light, love and lessons to it. How do I apply my why, the passion, purpose to make it profitable? When you have a habit machine, it's the best habit you can have because whatever I want to effectuate from possibility to probability into my perspective or reality, I just put through the five daily practices of what, who, how, now, and why. It's that simple. And that allows me to have the best habit in the world, which is the habit of developing, accelerating, growing my habit machine. The worst habit I have is ego-based consciousness. It's one that will always be in existence, unfortunately, because I can't give myself an egoectomy. I always have the primal fears of needing to feed myself, fight with people, flee those people, and also F those people. The F word that Gary Vee likes to use. Uh, but the worst habit I have is ego. Because no matter what it is, the habit of always having a need that is an illusion to create interference between me and what I already am or what I am connected to and through. The worst habit I have is triggering that ego. The triggers in the ego itself are the worst habit I have because it creates interference, void shortages and obstacles. It allows me to have a need to be right, a need to be offended, separate, inferior, superior, anxious, frustrated, angry, guilty. It creates all the voids, the need to worry, right? Wish for what I don't want to create more voids, wasting time, emotion and energy. Oh my goodness, if I could just aggregate all the time, emotion and energy and wasted relationships from the worst habit I have, which are the needs of the ego, the trigger of the ego, in order to create more interference, void shortages and obstacles, instead of clearing it and allowing my true self that is connected to and through everything, through possibilities, probability and perspective. All right, next guest, Rachel, how are you? Oh, hi, how are you guys? I'm great. Yeah, I'm actually, I'm running errands and I got um, bumped in here. So you know what I have been thinking, I really wanted to ask you a personal question because I have been promoting um, this little business kind of a side thing, but it's really amazing. And I actually kind of want your opinion and see if you um, have any interest in it. It's getting paid for the bills that we uh, pay every month. It's all the um, the regular I like DirecTV, um, Spectrum, all those basic things, gas company, because it has to do with the deregulation of utilities. So I know you know about that. And I'm kind of, I don't know, I'd like to talk to you about it. We have another event in Cerritos tonight. And I was just wondering if we could have a chat about that. Yes. So it, absolutely. So look, cool. the only way that we can get anywhere is to ask for help. And it sounds extremely interesting 
uh, interesting uh, to me and I'd be interested into learning more. And so if anybody has something that they want my help with, that they have a, an idea, an innovation, a business, want to uh, understand who and how I can help, just email me, david at dmeltzer.com. Uh, love to learn more about how I can be paid for paying my bills. And I'd love to share it with other people that may or may not be interested in how they can be paid for paying their bills and understanding also learning about the deregulation of utilities and how that is uh, also aligned with sustainable energies and other things that may be aligned with this and other opportunities that I have. So this is a good example of you don't get unless you ask, you know, I've given my cell phone out, I've given my email out, everybody can reach me, but yet most people get in their own way and they're afraid uh, to do what Rachel does is just come on and ask, hey, David, do you know anyone that can help me? I have this great event tonight in Cerritos of uh, you know talking about how you can be paid to pay your bills and the deregulations of utilities. Do you know anyone that would be interested? That makes me either a sponsor where I would know people that would be interested or a power sponsor as I am. That means that, yes, I'm interested in learning more. Please email me, david at dmelter.com. And I probably also know other people that can help me. So let's remember, we're really just seeking people with open minds, open hearts and open hands in order to ask them for help to see what they're doing today, what they like, what they don't like about it and see how we can be of service or help to them or to other people that they know. Rachel, thank you so much for inspiring people by asking for that help. And like I said, I'm looking forward to receiving the information and have uh, the best of luck this evening at your event in Cerritos. Go ahead. If you want in the notes, go ahead and, and post uh, to anybody where that event is in case they want to join you as well. Does that sound fair? That is absolutely wonderful. Thank you so much. And I will email you and I don't know how to do it in the notes here, but I'll figure it out. <laughs> all right. If not, email Jake and he'll put him up somewhere. All right. Perfect. All right. Thank you so much, David. I always enjoy you. I'm, I'm here all the time. Thank you. I know. Thank you so much. Thank you, Rachel. I appreciate you. Have a wonderful <laughs> weekend. Good luck. God bless you. you. Thank you. All righty. Let me take another question online and then we'll take our uh, next, maybe final guest, depending. Uh, Shosh, S-H-O-S-H. My friend, you're up after I take this question here. What if our passion is sometimes detrimental to our health or our mental health? So what we want to do is understand the difference between maybe an addiction uh, or a passion. I find it hard to believe that we could have passion, right? A passion, which is uh, tied to a purpose and profitability, that we could have a passion uh, for something that is detrimental to our health or our mental health. Um, and so if you have an addiction uh, that's quantum in your nature uh, and you feel that addiction is interpreted that you love it, then what I would do is to reformulate what that means to you, the truth. Love the truth, the light and the lessons. I find it hard to believe are somehow in any way synergistic supplementary equated to anything detrimental to any interference that we're causing to our health or our mental health. See, when you shift your paradigm to understand you already are happy, healthy, wealthy, and worthy, what am I doing to interfere with that? And then determine that just because it's quantum in our nature, that we feel as if we love to do that quantumly through personality traits, characteristics, addictions, or obsessions, uh, then we are 
misdiagnosing passion. See, passion is purpose and profitability. Passion is the truth. It's the light, the love, and the lessons. Passion is created by imagining what we want aligned with their experiential, personal giving and receiving values. Um, if you feel as if you are passionate or pa have passion for something detrimental, uh, then I would have you assess your own what, who, how, now, and why, um, and why to make sure that it's not just a quantum addiction, personality trait, characteristic obsession that has been handed down by four generations. So go ahead and look for patterns within your own behavior, patterns within your family's behavior, things that you have passed down from great grandparents, grandparents, uh, because a lot of people I think find themselves confused with passion and addiction. Uh, and passion is the truth, addiction is interference. So they're almost polar opposites in my personal opinion. Now, if you feel I'm wrong and feel you can love, you know, to be an alcoholic or a drug addict or, you know, something else, uh, I think we have to make sure that we're deciphering between passion and addiction. Uh, so remember, the truth vibrates the fashion, the truth vibrates the fastest and passion will provide you uh, the catalyst in order to make that passion a purpose and that purpose profitable through possibility, probability, and perspective. All right, next up, Shosh, what do you got for me? Hey, buddy. Hey, Dave. Uh, Jake, thanks a lot for having me. And yeah, just great to hear from you as always uh, for the week. Uh, so my question has uh, sort of two parts to it. Um, it's following on from sort of the listing aspects. So how would you advise um, is the best way after, you know, you've listened intelligently and then are able the best way to retain and actually do it? So the aspect of, you know, the difference between intellectually knowing something and knowing it and then actually doing it. And I'd like as the sort of second part, if you're able to talk about the presence with presence, being present with doing it now. So often, you know, we yeah. may not feel like doing something. And when you don't feel like, you know, meeting um, something you've got scheduled, how do you end up, you know, doing it now? Thanks. Thanks a lot. Oh, what a great question. So I think this is pragmatically one of the most powerful practices that I have um, because I have learned to reposit the lessons and then utilizing a system to reposit lessons so that when I'm learning, when I'm an intelligent follower, when I'm more interested than interesting, you know, that I have already pre-planned, predetermined some systematic way of repositing what I'm learning, the lessons. So that if we're on here, I have people taking notes and then putting those notes into a folder, prioritizing those notes according to what I want and being able to effectuate the activity that I plan, don't have planned and sleep according to the lessons I've learned. In order to process and learn those lessons too, I try to attach stories. So I'll do research, I'll uh, make and see and seek how it's aligned with my past experience uh, along with those lessons that I've learned. So some of the practices and procedures that I have in order to reposit the lessons that I acquire, acknowledge and retain is I'll text myself, I'll email myself. I have folder of a do it now folder that I just put in uh, different emails and text messages so that I can go back through being a student in my calendar each day, allotting a certain amount of minimum time, 10 minutes a day in order to prioritize 
the acknowledgement of what I've learned and reposited and retained, and then be able to execute it on by the second part of your question, which is how do you determine with all the different lessons that you learned during the day, all the activities you get paid for, all the activities you don't get paid for, and your sleep, how do you determine to be present? And the idea of being present to me is understanding the five daily practices and the rules of being human combined, which I'm happy to send you and my book, right? David at dmelcher.com. I can't encourage you more to reach out to me to get these things, to practice them in order to effectuate and accelerate what you want exponentially. But when you do it now, 100% of the things you do now get done, you're actually using the what, the who, and the why sorry, the what, the who, and the how, in order to prioritize the what, the who, and the how. When you know your what, the who, and the how, you now can go ahead and take all the repository information, the lessons, and the rules of being human, and put it into practice by doing what's most important first, which is exactly where we started off with the trash story that this practice and lessons, et cetera, of finding light, love, and lessons of learning and being more interested than interesting and applying it, applying our why to the what, the who, and the how by doing it now. 100% of the things you do now get done. Those people that get things done separate themselves and allow themselves to be passionate, purposeful, and profitable. Um, yeah, so those are, are the two ways um, to consider it. Uh, well, somebody asked real quick as I finish up my closing notes, uh, when it comes to profitability, what do you consider the difference between currency and commerce? Currency is an object of energy that I put into the flow to get what I want. Commerce is the exchange of that energy. And so understanding what we're connected to and through is the commerce or the commandment of it, where the currency itself is the object like money or faith that we put into that flow. The commerce is that flow that connects to and through all of us. All right, that'll do it for the passion, purpose, and profitability. Next week's training is how to forgive yourself. Give yourself the greatest gift of all, forgiveness. Uh, we love that. Two-Minute Drill Season 2, featured on Bloomberg tonight, 8.30 p.m. Check it out on Bloomberg, Two-Minute Drill, $50,000 of cash and prizes. Only pitch, only show. Season 3 is coming up. If you haven't tried out and you haven't applied, go ahead, email me, david at dmeltzer.com. Email me again for the list of being human, for any of the templates, the daily practices, and especially my book, ebook, audio book. I'll sign a book, send it to you, pay for shipping and the book, not a problem. I also have created notes from today, the passion, purpose, and profitability guide, david at dmeltzer.com. I love Fridays. Thank you everyone for joining me. We have now over $50,000, 50,000 people, sorry, registered, IG, Facebook, Clubhouse, webinar, david at dmelcher.com. Most importantly, as always for over 20 years, be kind to your future self and do good deeds. Have a beautiful weekend. Bless you all. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed today's episode in any way or found any value, screenshot it. Share it however you like. My only ask is you help me empower others to empower others to be happy.